Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Tim. I'm a member here and also the lead pastor, and good to see everyone. Uh, Thanks for coming out. If this is your first time, as Rick said, welcome to the Vineyard. Um, You don't get far in the Bible without noticing some pretty amazing things, especially in Jesus' life. And we say, well, that was Jesus. You know, we expect him to do radical things. And, uh, and then we, but then we get into the book of Acts and we see that uh, those first followers of Jesus seem to do some pretty radical things too. Plus, we forget that Jesus, when he came to this earth, yeah, he's the son of God. And, uh, and, but when he came to earth, he kind of emptied himself of that, and he came as a man incarnate, God incarnate, in the flesh. And what he did while he was on this earth, he did through the power of the presence of God in his life. That is, through the Holy Spirit. And then he told his disciples he's got to go back because the Holy Spirit needs to come and needs to live in each one of his followers. And so we forget many times that when we see Jesus in the Gospels, that he is operating as a human being with the Spirit of God doing these things through him. And, uh, and then we get to Scripture, you know, that's really challenging, which we'll do this morning. Over the next few weeks, uh, Doug Dorman and I are going to be doing all that we can to take a look at the Scripture and also encourage us as a church uh, to actively engage in what uh, the vineyard, this is a, I love this phrase, uh, is what is called a lifestyle of being naturally supernatural. And that is being naturally who you are, but seeing God do really some fantastic things and crazy things through you in your life, but you're still who you are. It's kind of like you just go do it, as we're going to find in this series. When we start talking about doing the works of God, doing the works of Christ, and we start talking about the gifts of the Spirit and healing and, and all of this, you're probably in three, one of three different camps. One is that you have been taught or you believe or you totally buy into the whole experiential side of it, and that means that anything flaky has got to be God. So, you know, like if it's weird, like I'm going to run to it and we'll... We'll make it God. Whatever, you know, titillates the senses and whatever kind of hypes you up, we'll just jump in on it. Uh, years ago, they used to say that, you know, when we got like that, we were seeing demons behind every doorknob, you know, casting demons out of doorknobs. Oh, there's one, you know, and it just gets flaky. It's weird. Or then you might be, uh, you know, someone who goes, well, God used to do that. And I don't know he could do that, but I don't think he is doing that. And so we just kind of pass over the scriptures and, and we just think, well, maybe there was a time, and, but I don't know why he's not doing this, but, but I don't see where it says he stopped doing this, but I don't, I'm just confused. So whenever I get to any of these passages, I'll just kind of, okay, let's go to the next verse and uh, pass it off. And then maybe you were raised in a very, very conservative church and, 
uh, in a way that had a theology that said uh, once the apostles died, this stuff stopped. You didn't see miracles anymore and you didn't see uh, any of the spectacular things that we see in Jesus' life. So we're going to tackle this. This is uh, quite a challenge. We're going to be over in the 15th chapter or the 14th chapter, excuse me, of the book of John, the gospel this morning. So if you've got your Bible app or you've got a, or if you're going old school like me, uh, I'm taking the hot rod out for a spin this morning. You've got John 14 and um, verse 12. Let's read this and we'll pray and we'll jump into this very challenging part of Scripture. John 14, verse 12. Very, this is Jesus speaking. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Father, we ask for your blessing on your word this morning. Uh, Lord, we need your help with these scriptures. Uh, Holy Spirit, we need you to come and guide us. You said you would teach us all truth. And, uh, and so we ask for you to breathe life on your word. And uh, give me the gift of teaching this morning, God. Help me with this. And Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come do what you do best. Amen. Well, you have a fill-in in your handout. If you want to track along, follow along with me, it'll, it may help you and it helps me stay on track. And uh, we're going to go through this verse and take a look at what was Jesus saying. Is there some way for us to understand this very, uh, I think, challenging scripture? Your first fill-in in your handout is this. Uh, actually, Jesus meant exactly what he said. Jesus meant what he said. I looked at so many commentaries going, is there any way out of this? <laughs> These and greater things will you do. And there was, not, uh, there was not any way out of this. When Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, he's going, listen, I'm telling you the truth. I got a little ring in this up here, uh, kind of a tent, real high treble, like feedback. Um, He's saying, look, I'm telling the truth that what I'm about to, to say is something you need to take to heart and believe it. And just because we haven't seen these things done today doesn't mean other people haven't. Just because we maybe have not experienced praying for someone and them being healed doesn't mean someone else hasn't prayed for someone and they feel healed. Just because we haven't seen someone who has been really harassed spiritually in a way and someone and we haven't prayed for them and seen them get relief doesn't mean that someone else hasn't prayed for them and they've gotten relief. So can we start there? Can we start and say that our experience cannot be the sole basis for us to understand this? We can't cast this scripture aside and go, because I haven't experienced this, this can't be true. Right? Are we on the same page here? Because we're headed somewhere with this. And so, um, I mean, even D.A. Carson, who is a very reputable theologian and a, and a conservative one at that, and uh, 
he says this about this passage of Scripture in John 14. He says that the promise is staggering. Jesus' works may include more than his miracles, but they never exclude them. So how we read this verse, and we said long ago in this church, we were going to wrestle with the tough stuff. We weren't going to pass over it. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know we've looked at some very tough issues. And this is one, I think. And so Jesus meant what he said, so we got to take it, right? All right, Jesus, you said it. We believe it, but that hadn't settled it <laughs> because I haven't seen it. And I don't know. Some of this stuff is a little weird to me, so I don't know about this. This is real challenging. Can't you put these cookies on a low shelf, Lord? (laughs) Why do they have to stretch me so much to believe? And your second feeling is this, but Jesus is always challenging. I mean, people think Jesus is my buddy. He just comes along and he just taps us on the back and says, oh, buddy, you're going to be okay. It's all right. I'd never expect more out of you than you could deliver. Hmm. You know, I'd never call you to believe things you haven't seen yet. I'd never do that to you. No, I, I wouldn't do that. And that's not the Jesus I see in here. Jesus is always challenging us. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Remember the Sermon on the Mount over in Matthew 5? Now, we love to read that in the Beatitudes or in that section of Scripture as well, and we love to read the Sermon on the Mount, and we take it in, and we go, These, this is the way my attitude should be. But then look at this. Matthew 5, 21 through 26. You shall not murder, but I tell you, now there's a very truly, right? But I tell you what I'm about to say is the truth. But I tell you, just like the John 14, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment And anyone who says you are a fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, that's a challenging word because there are a lot of us around here driving around Myrtle Beach in the summertime who are in subject to hell fire, right? I mean, you know it. You know, it's like, now that's a challenging scripture, is it not? Let's be honest. Well, we don't believe we can pray for the sick, but they could be healed. But we'll read through this. This is such a sweet, it's a high bar, Lord, but I'm working on it. You know, I'm going to take that word fool out of my vocabulary. Basically means telling somebody they're worthless. That's what the word means. Like you have relegated them to absolutely no value at all when you call someone. It's not necessarily just the word fool, but it's saying I devalue you. You are worthless in this. You're not worth anything when Jesus has died for that person. And so, uh, hey, that's pretty challenging to me, especially around July. And um, <laughs> Matthew, and if you're on a motorcycle, you know how challenging it is. Matthew 5, 27 through 30 also goes, you have heard it said, this is what you normally believe, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, here it comes, very truly I say to you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus, we live at the beach. Really? Really? I mean, that's a challenging statement, right? All you men should be just going, amen. No, I say, <laughs> don't, don't leave me up here by myself. Like, I'm not going up there. I know where I am. 
Let's just leave Tim on his own right there. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. I feel love. <laughs> Matthew 5, 43 through 46. He says, you have heard, this is what you normally think, that it was said, love your neighbor. We just finished a series on love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But, but I tell you, very truly, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When Virgin says, despitefully uses you, that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. Now, is that a challenging word? That's just, I mean, that's, those type of changes in our life are challenging, but those of us who take this following Christ seriously, we look through those and we pray, God, teach me to live like this. But do we do the same in the challenging area of believing that God wants to use us to pray for the sick, to be there for folks when they're hurting, to take the lonely and bring them into family, to pray for those who are spiritually oppressed, to look for God to intervene in some way in a person's life so that their life would be somewhat better. Now, all of this is challenging. And the question that we have to settle up front is, does God still do miracles? Does he still do things that are wild and, and crazy, it looks like? And does he expect us to do the same? Well, I think we've already seen that he expects us to do the same. Does God do the same thing? I have mentioned this book before. Don't get too excited. I'm not giving these away, all right? <laughs> I love to give books away. These are, no, these are not uh, giveaways. This is like, these are research books. But this is a two-volume set from Dr. Craig Keener. Uh, Craig was an atheist at one time and uh, was exposed to the gospel, had a, an amazing, only, only thing I can tell you is if you ever go on YouTube and you want to see his testimony, you should pull it up. Craig Keener, atheist who was, somebody shared Jesus with him, and then he had an experience with God. And Craig, the atheist, intellectual, turned to in to be one of the best and most prolific theologians I know alive today. And what he has done in this, these two volumes is he has documented not only the last 2,000 years of examples where God has continued to heal and to intervene supernaturally in people's lives, but he has documented with medical facts, dates, times, places where God has done phenomenal things. And so, just because we aren't in here doesn't mean it's not going on. You get that? Doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do this through us. Just because we don't have a footnote in here in Myrtle Beach, 2014, November, but we could be in the book. It doesn't mean that we are excluded from this. Let me just read a couple of quotes from this book. A disabled minister in Malawi, unable to walk, asked prayer for healing from British Anglican Michael Green. Now, Michael Green, a very conservative Anglican uh, who taught at Wycliffe Hall in Oxford, didn't believe God still healed today, but he was put in a spot when a disabled pastor asked him to pray for him. Reluctant but unable to avoid the challenge, Green prayed for him. And the man got up, quote, and started dancing around, just as the Lystra cripple is recorded as doing in the scripture. Pastor Green was challenged, or Professor Green was challenged, 
It didn't fit his paradigm. But he found it to be true that at times, indeed, God did heal, even when he didn't expect it. <laughs> Listen to these numbers. For these countries alone, this is the U.S., Brazil, Chile, Guatemala, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, India, Philippines, and South Korea. And for Pentecostals and Charismatics, Pentecostals, you know, Pentecostal like Assemblies of God, Church of God, uh, those that embrace the gifts of the Spirit, Pentecostal, and Charismatics, those are of not of the, those denominations that believe that uh, God still does this. In these countries alone, the estimated total of people claiming to have witnessed divine healing comes out to somewhere around 202,141,082. That's the documented cases that they have of the healings in those countries. And uh, Keener goes on to say that uh, among Pentecostals, the average is 73.6% of their members have experienced seeing a divine healing. And it is divine, not faith healing. It's divine healing. God heals. It's not the, you know, someone who has that great faith for someone. It's God doing the healing. God does it. And that 52% of charismatics have also. Given estimates of possibly half a billion Pentecostals and charismatics worldwide, we might be looking at claims of closer to 300 million among them alone. Instances of divine healing. 300 million instances. In the vineyard, we call ourselves empowered evangelicals. That is that we, we live in this, we put ourselves in this tension that we put one foot in conservative Christianity and that we are orthodox by belief. We believe everything we need to about the scripture, about Christ, Trinity, and uh, we believe in studying the scripture and give, make, you know, given, uh, uh, being able to give a defense for what we believe. We strongly believe in Bible study, but we also have our other foot in the charismatic Pentecostal traditions in that we still believe God heals. We still believe God comes and does awesome things. And so we live in this tension. We're not all the way over here, woohoo, or anything goes on, flakyism. You know, but we're not over here going, hmm, that's weird. I'm not going to, yeah, God, he must have meant something else. He doesn't heal anymore. You know, we're not there. We're like here. Uh, uh. We're like, look at the scripture. It's challenging. Yeah, but he's done it before. Some of us have seen it. And a lot of people around the world have seen it. So I'm in this tension of God, do it in me. Even if I feel like uh, you don't, you don't feel a little awkward. And so that's where we are in the vineyard, but we believe it should be naturally supernatural. You don't take on this weird persona when you pray for somebody. You don't have to have a healing ministry. You don't have to have big hair. You don't have to have anything in order to pray for somebody. You don't. You just don't. It's the believers, it's the people that Jesus was talking to, the fishermen and the tax collectors and the everyday person. He said, these and greater works you're going to do. And it is challenging because it doesn't always happen. And some of us have been praying a long time for things that have not happened. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And we have a theology for that too. Some of you know it in the vineyard, the already and the not yet. We live in between, between the eras of Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And in between, heaven has not come to earth fully yet. So we don't see everybody healed. We don't see everything happen. But we are in that interim period where we pray for it. And sometimes it does happen. 
We get previews of what it's going to be like when the kingdom comes in fullness and there won't be any sick anymore. And so we have a tension there, a tension. But does the tension mean we remove ourselves from praying and being a part of this? Or do we step out into it as a church and as believers and say, okay, Lord, I may be like Professor Green. I may not feel like you do this, but someone has asked for compassion and asked me to pray for them. I will do it. Because who knows what you will do. I mean, Paul is an example. Paul had Apostle Paul that wrote most of the New Testament here. Uh, You know, he had revelatory experiences. He said he spoke in tongues more than anybody did. He prophesied. He taught. He had a heavenly visitation. But it nowhere says he had the gift of healing. It doesn't say he had an extraordinary gift of healing. He was just out doing what he did. And God used him. Didn't say he had the gift of miracles, anything like that. It didn't. He experienced miraculous rescue uh, at times. One of his companions was healed, but yet, listen to this, but yet Paul had a sickness his whole life that he never got healed from. People think maybe he had malaria and he just never could get healed. Did it stop Paul from praying for others? You know what? Paul finally found in his sickness that uh, there was this grace for his life. And that the frailty actually was where God's strength showed up. And he finally embraced that part. If you read how he wrote, God did not heal him of that. And finally he found a place of going, this is where God's intimacy is for me, is in this. As I struggle through this sickness, he's not going to remove this from me. But here is where I found the closeness of God to me. But he still, you know, he preached too long. Guy fell out a window. Had to pray, you know, bring him back, those kind of things. And uh, he kept praying. So you see that tension? You see the tension in there? But we have to walk with that as vineyard people. That's where we want to be, in that tension. Now his, his pastor in training, Timothy, evidently had a, you know, he had some kind of stomach problem, uh, you know, IBS or something, who knows. And, uh, you know, but I mean, his, you know, Paul says, take a little wine for your stomach, settle down, Timothy. I mean, he didn't, it doesn't say he prayed for Timothy and Timothy was healed from that. Take a little wine for your stomach. And there's tension because we want to see things change and we want to see the kingdom. We want to see heaven come to earth in fullness. But we're not there yet. So when we're brokenhearted and we don't see it, it doesn't mean we don't continue to pray for it. And it only makes us long for the day when Jesus, the blessed hope, when he does return and everything is put to rights. In the meantime, we pray, Lord, heal this person. Console this person. Take this lonely person who has no friends and bring them into a family. Just as big a miracle as anything. Change this person's life who had no hope at one time for any change in their marriage or with their children or with their business or in their friendships and come and bring your kingdom to that. Miracles, miracles. We're not left here to sign a card, pray a magic prayer and go back to our life. We're not. We're called to do the works of Jesus. Even in the tension. Even in the tension. So what's the point? This is your third fill-in, and it comes from verses 13 and 14. Jesus wants to draw attention to God. Look at 13 and 14 in John 14. 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask. People go, well, I want a Cadillac. I want this, you know. 
No, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's what he's going to answer. Whatever it takes for the Father, for God Almighty to be glorified through his Son, he says, I'm, I'm with you. Now, only he knows what that is. <laughs> I don't really, I know what I want it to be. You know, I want, maybe I want my friend healed. I want this and I want that. But only he knows, he knows. Like Paul, we have the example of Paul who was never healed of that malaria or that eye problem and that thorn in the flesh he had. And we never got free from those things. But yet we have his testimony to us that gives glory to the Father of how a man stayed completely faithful to God and served God his whole entire life. So God used it and he got glory from it. It's not either or. It's God getting the glory. Let's not let the tension rob us or take us off task. Now, your ABCs at the bottom, here it is. Uh, maybe this will help us too as we launch into this series. And these greater things. What are the greater things? What can we learn about that? Listen, greater things, your next fill-in, happen during ordinary life. Greater things happen in ordinary life. Acts 3, 1 through 10. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple. Just one day. One day. Like this day or tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday. One day in your life. And one day in their life, they hadn't even made it to the church yet. It's at 3 in the afternoon. Very late service. Probably had six at this church. And so there's another one going and that's one of the prayer times they had. I'm just kidding. But it was an ordinary day for them. And they come across a guy who can't walk. And he, but he's not even asking to be healed. He's asking for money. Help me so I can buy some food. It was just an ordinary day for Peter and John. And it was an ordinary day for this man. These things happen. And when God wants to use us in these ways... It's not where we, and I don't have a problem with tent meetings and having healing. We may pray for one another in just a few minutes around here in the church this morning. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's great and good. But you know where the church needs to be mobilized? In the everyday life. That's when we head out of these doors, just like we talked about loving our neighbors last week. And we were that letter, that written on the heart of the gospel. You know, the gospel's written on our hearts and we sail out. We're mailed back to our neighborhoods for them to read our lives who we are. This happens, these miracles and praying for the sick and being there for the lonely, that is supposed to go on predominantly in ordinary life. You don't go to a healing meeting. You go out in your ordinary life and look for an opportunity to heal or for God to use you and possibly heal someone to show his love. The first time I ever... This ever, this whole healing thing happened to me, and I got pushed in a corner. It was, we were, I took a bunch of kids to Cape Hatteras surfing, and um, I'd been a Christian maybe three years. And we had age groups from, I was the old man at 23, and, uh, you know, we had them all the way down to, the youngest guy was 12, and his older brother that was with him. And we're surfing at Frisco Pier, it gotten really choppy and really, really big. And uh, also, to make it worse, the storm that was off the coast was pushing in these little guys. You can put that up on the screen. 
And they were all over the place. I mean, they were scattered out at the end of the pier. When we took off on a wave, we'd go around them, in between them, just dodging them. And there were probably a 100 of us out at this pier. Well, this little 12-year-old's out with us at the pier, too. And he's paddling around, and he shouldn't probably been out there anyway. It just, the waves were just big. And he's out, and, and uh, I lose track of him because there's so many people. But I see his brother on the beach just screaming at me and waving his his arms and so I catch a wave in and I go in and he's laying in the back of my car and he is screaming and he has got whelps across his eyes, across his face, across his body and this little 12 year old is just, he is going into shock and he's just screaming and in those days in Cape Hatteras you had to drive a long ways to get to some help. I mean it wasn't, they didn't have any medical, there was nobody around and, and so I'm sitting there, and I've got this group of kids looking at me because I'm the old guy, you know, and, and telling them about Jesus all the time. And what do you do? What do you do? Uh, let's pray. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's just pray. And so we prayed. And this, is, this was the first time I had seen this in my life. We all prayed. Each, each one of those kids prayed. And Bob's crying started to subside. It went down, and we watched, no lie, we watched those wealth just go disappear, right? Within 15 minutes, it was changed. And I'm telling you, nobody was more shocked than me. <laughs> I just could see me driving 70 miles to Nags Head to try to get him to a, you know, to get him to a hospital and, and didn't know if he was going to go into shock and make it or whatever. And so, I mean, we're all, all of us are like, whoa. Man, everybody was like praising Jesus. Everybody was jacked up then. Let's go back out. Bob wouldn't go back out. Um, I don't know if he ever went back out. (laughs) But that doesn't even happen every time because my little brother got stung right here at Dunes Cove. He went into shock. I ended up taking him to the emergency room. And he's got a big scar all the way around his stomach from one of these men of war. And so sometimes, but who knows, that God won't do something. In ordinary life, B, greater things happen through ordinary people. Greater things happen in ordinary life, and greater things happen through ordinary people. We were just a bunch of young surf rats. That's all we were. This was a long time before I ever got involved in church. And I mean, all we knew was that somebody was hurting and they needed relief. And we believed that Jesus loved us. That's all we knew. And that was enough. That was enough. Look, 1 Corinthians 4, 13 through 14. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. Ordinary people. Ordinary people. The only difference was it said they recognized them as having been with Jesus. And that's enough. If someone recognizes you as having been with Jesus... Who knows what God can do through you? And lastly, greater things happen to meet ordinary needs. Ordinary needs. Bob was hurting. He needed relief. The hospital was a long ways away. The people who have lost someone close to them that need someone by them have a present need. Someone who is hungry has a present need. This is about meeting the needs of people so that people will look at the Father and go, God does care. He cares. Jesus' own job description in Luke 4, 
18, he picks up the book of Isaiah and he begins to read and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The poor need some good news. Those without, they've heard plenty of bad news. They need some good news. And Jesus says, I've got some good news for the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Those tied up in bondages, addictions, self-hatred, abuse, marred and scarred. Jesus says, I've come to set them free. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the captives free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love that. God is not mad anymore because Jesus has come. And the wrath that was meant to be poured out on us and our sins has now been poured out on him. And he has paid the price that we are now highly favored because of his son by him. That's the era we live in. This is the job description. It happens in ordinary life through ordinary people to meet ordinary needs. I want Doug Gonzalez to come up and he's got a short story to, to share with you. Yay, Doug! You guys are there. Morning. How's everybody doing? Um, okay, so, yeah, Tim wanted me to share this story with you. Um, about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago now, um, I was down in the cafe on Thursday morning, or Thursday afternoon, getting ready for student ministry. Um, that's where our students meet for our youth group. And uh, I'm standing there, I'm doing my work, and, and I'm working through my sermon and writing stuff down. And all of a sudden, uh, this guy just walks in. Just He was kind of skulking around, just trying to figure out what was going on, and just opened the door and walked in. Um, and uh, as I looked at him, I said, hi. And he said, hi. And um, I said, what's your name? He said, my name. He said his name. And I said, my name's Doug. It's good to meet you. And um, I realized in this moment that... Um, I kind of felt the impression from God uh, that this man had some passengers on his bus, we'll say. Um, that's what I, they called it when I was a kid. Um, and uh, what I mean is he was under, he was under some, um, some oppression from demonic stuff, and I could just tell. Um, now, I never had been in contact with anything like this before as far as God saying, hey, man, I want you to pray for this guy. Um, so I was a little nervous, but, you know, it's God. God does what he does. And so I wasn't afraid, but I was a little nervous, I'll be honest. Um, so I figured I had about 40 minutes, okay, because between that time and the time that the students were arriving was about an hour. So I figured I had about 40 minutes to just engage in conversation or whatever, and then it would be time for him to go. Um, so uh, we're hanging out talking, and my YWAM friends show up and, and uh, just introduce him to all them. And we're just, we're just, I'm just making friends and, and, and having a good time with them, Not, nothing crazy. And after about 30 minutes go by, um, I said, hey, do you mind if we step outside for a minute? I just want to have a conversation with you. And he said, okay, sure. And so we went outside, and, and um, I just felt like I just needed to ask questions just about his family, about where he's from, and, and, and just kind of see what God was up to. And so as I began to converse with him, um, kind of this moment came where he said that um, he didn't choose this. He said, I didn't choose this. I'm just doing the best I can. I didn't, I didn't choose any of this. And I felt, okay, this is the time. So I just shared with him the gospel and shared with him that God chose him. Um, that God loves him, he chose him in Jesus Christ, um, and that Christ's uh, sacrifice on the cross was for him, um, that he may know God, and, and just really getting into the ins and outs of the gospel with him. And I said, do you mind if I pray for you? Um, I, I actually ripped it off from Peter. I was like, hey, man, I don't have any money. 
Um, I know you know where Street Region Community Kitchen is, but what I do have, I'll give to you. Can I pray for you? And, um, and he smiled, and he said, okay, if you want to. And so we stood up, and um, I warned him. I was like, i got to be honest with you, man. This might get a little weird. I said, uh, it's going to be some talk about some spiritual stuff. Um, is that okay? And he said, yeah, that's okay. And I uh, just laid a hand on him, prayed for him, and, and prayed about um, first about the gospel message and, and going into his heart and him accepting Christ. And then from there, um, I just felt like it was the moment. And so God said, do it. And I'm like, all right. So I said, if there's any spiritual beings working on you, in you, or through you, they got to go in the name of Jesus. And I, I swear to you, the next thing you know, his arm starts like flailing behind him like this. And he dropped the Pop-Tart I gave him. And it was this big thing for like maybe six seconds. And then it was over. Um, and this grown 50-year-old man all of a sudden just broke down in tears and just began to thank me and hug me and, and tell me he loved me. And, and, um, and I said, you know what, man? I love you too. And God loves you. And that's why this happened. Um, so that's what happened, and it was kind of amazing. So I just wanted to say two things that I forgot to say last time. Um, one is that if you ever, like, concern, like, I don't know if this is God or not, just, like, ask two simple questions. Um, does it require a little bit of sacrifice on your end, and does it make a big deal about Jesus? If those two things are true, then it's likely that God wants you to do something, okay? And the last thing is, I'm sorry, I just got to do this. Um, sometimes it doesn't happen. I can just tell you a quick story. One time, I'm standing at Starbucks. And I met a man who had a tumor the size of a grapefruit on his neck. And I shared the story with you. And I walked up to him and bought him a cup of coffee. And we talked for a little bit. And I said, hey, man, is there anything I can pray for you for? And I'm literally making eye contact with his tumor. And, <laughs> and he just looks at me and goes, no, I'm good. And that was the end of it. So sometimes it doesn't always happen. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't work out that way. But. Ordinary people. <laughs> All right, let's stand, guys. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.